Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad for Podgo. I recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O co. Don't forget to add our podcast, Chatter from the Cheap Seats, from the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. If you have a show, go to Podgo. Today is Friday, September 18th, and it's a fantastic day to be a sports fan because you're listening to the number one podcast in all, not just some, all, all, Potomac, Maryland. Potomac, Maryland. What is up, guys? I'm your host, Jack Feldman, alongside my co-host, Sammy Krimstein. Welcome to Chatter from the Cheap Seats. If you guys want to support us, you guys can leave a voicemail by clicking the call button on our Instagram bio. That's right. if you want an, uh, another option, you know, we like options. We're an option pod. We are. That is, Call yeah. 202-743-1767. And if you want to follow us on Instagram and TikTok, you can do that. Chatter underscore Cheap Seats pod. Five-star rating review Apple podcast. Chatter from the Cheap Seats YouTube. And yes, Sammy, how are you doing on this lovely, lovely Friday afternoon? Well, it really was a lovely Friday afternoon. So, I mean, this past week has been some of the best weather that we've gotten in a while. It's how I like it. Not too sunny in the 70s. Perfect weather to go out and get some fly balls. And that is exactly what I did. Got to get those reps in every day. No Not days off. Get on that grind. Get on that grind. That's, that's, that's how it is. And it's, it's hard to get on the grind when it's like 30 degrees and snowing. and the oh, I'm always blah. on I have... I've gotten a, a couple comparisons to uh, I don't know if you know him, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I've heard I've know. heard my name thrown around in the same sentence as his a couple times. You know, people, people some people say I kind of look at it, look like him a little bit. I, I'd say I think there's <laughs> you see it. I, I think yeah, say, I think there is a uh, distinct but, you know, similarity there. I I don't I don't see I don't it. Know. But you know, if the people <laughs> see it, let the people have what they want. I don't like to brag. I'm a little bit of a, I like to stay behind the shadows, but if people think <laughs> I look like the rock, who am I to judge? You know? Yeah. But you know, today was a nice day. Sometimes when it's colder, you still got to get on the grind, but it just kind of sucks today though. No issue. I was eager to get out there, hit, throw, run, catch all the baseball things to do. And yeah, that was fun. Got to do that a little bit. How how are you doing, Jack? You getting on that grind? I am always on that grind. Always on that Someone grind. else that is always on that grind is our third co-host, Oriachin. Uh, he is observing the holiday of Rosh Hashanah, so yeah. he will not be joining us today. We know he hasn't been. He's missed quite a few episodes, but don't worry. He will be back next week. Everything will be hunky-dory. As that's, that's a word because we're a word pod and that is a our word pod word. and sammy is correct that is in the dictionary if you look it up not, <laughs> it, is, it is a word about it that no but word. <laughs> you know sammy we had a full slate of sports oh man we had, we had the shooty hoops the football 
We have everything. So where do you want to start off? I think we got to start off with the NFL, right? I mean, first week. And we have had a lot of good games, a lot of surprises. First time in a long time, obviously, that there's been no preseason, maybe all time. I did not fact check that, but no preseason, coronavirus, no fans in most stadiums. We did see some fans, which was weird after a few months of not it seeing was fans. Weird, wasn't it? It's kind of odd how that works. It yeah, was- and uh, well, because the Chiefs game, which was Thursday night last week, it was just strange. It was like, oh my god, because we've been watching MLB now for what two, almost three months at this point. No fans, and at this point, we're all used to it. It's like the way it is. We've all grown accustomed to no fans. And all of a sudden, you flip on the Chiefs game, and it's not a full, you know, packed-out crowd like Arrowhead usually gets, but it didn't look that empty. There were a lot of people there, and, you know, everyone has their own opinions on it, and is it safe, is it not safe? And, you know, at the end of the day, if you're going to maybe risk your life to go to an NFL game, it's like, I, I don't know what to say. But it was weird just seeing the fans there. But we had some Wasn't really it great, though. Like the football. It was, yeah. Factor, it was oh, man. Just the football factor. It was refreshing after such a long time of yeah, like it was refreshing. It. Now, there were some surprises this weekend. Sammy, what was the number one game that shocked you the most? I'm pretty sure everyone is on the same page with this one. Well, there were two for me, but it's got to be the Washington football team beating the Philadelphia Eagles because last week when we did our picks for our football frenzy, I had the Eagles winning that game. They were my lock, and they let me down. Yeah, I learned. We're for Sammy, everybody. Yeah, F in the chat, but – I have learned a valuable lesson. Do not trust the Philadelphia Eagles. No more will I pick them at all. I, I, I will not pick the Eagles all year. Really? Are you so so you're going on the record a sixteen game ban against the Eagles? I am not gonna I look, I thought they were gonna so, we so are, are you on the record? Are you, are you are they banned? Are they banned? For me, they're a band. I'm not. They I am not touching the Eagles right here the rest of the first, year. folks. They yeah, are. They are. And I'll tell you why. A lot of it has to do with Carson Wentz because going into this year, when we were making our predictions, I thought the Eagles were a good team, and a lot of it centered around the fact that Carson Wentz, I thought, was going to be a good quarterback. I thought he could handle pressure well. And yes, the Eagles have a bad O line. I understand. But Russell Wilson had a battle line last year, and he put up MVP numbers. People say Carson Wentz is an MVP candidate. If you say that, you are wrong because he doesn't play like that. If you're an MVP candidate, you have to play like an MVP no matter what. And Carson Wentz did not show that. He played horrible. He had two interceptions. He got sacked eight times, which, yes, it's not all his fault. But if he is truly an elite quarterback, I don't care that you have a battle line. It's Sammy, that's a bad excuse. I agree with you on that. But let's talk about the Washington football team. You mentioned that yep. they got eight sacks 
One and a half of those sacks and a fumble came from the Washington Washington football team. I caught myself. I caught myself. Their first-round draft pick, Chase Young, and he was a monster. And their D-line, I mean, their their defense in general, I mean, Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan, their defense is not bad. And I don't know. I mean, it was definitely an interesting game. I don't think – your expectations for the Washington football team should change based on yeah. this game. Well, I, I mean, it's one game. You got to keep it, it. It's one game. It's one game, and one weird game. things happen. But we knew the defense was going to be the strong suit of this team. We just didn't know to what extent. For me, I had the Reds. Uh, excuse me, the Washington football team very low because I didn't think they'd live up to expectations, and they proved me wrong. And I'll give so credit where credit is due. I'll give, uh, it's Ron Rivera. I mean, yes, they have a lot of talent. But they also lost some talent, like Quentin Dunbar. And Ron Rivera found a way to really contain and make a pretty good offense look absolutely silly. And I think the right uh, – I'm so sorry – the Washington football team is... But we, we need to get like a jar, and every time one of us says uh, the word that should not shall not be said, we put a coin in the jar. I wonder. How I know. I, I feel bad. I, uh, I need to get out of that habit. But Ron Rivera, bringing him in and all the changes that have happened this offseason, I think this franchise, uh, this year might not end up how they want it to, but they're heading in the right direction. With Ron Rivera as their coach, he is the perfect leader for that team going forward. And even for this year, I was talking with a friend of mine who is a Washington fan, and he says that they have a ceiling of 9-7. and seven. At first, I wasn't buying it. After seeing how well the defense played against the Eagles. You, you cannot be telling me that you think that they're going to go 9-7. and seven. Do you I want don't, to, but that's a ceiling. At, at the beginning of the year, when we did our Four predictions, what did you have them at? 4-12. 1-12? 4. Or 4-12, sorry. Um. Or do you want to reevaluate that right now? Like, what do you think mm. based off of that one game? Because right now, I think I had them at four and twelve. Also, I'm not I'm getting two more wins after seeing I that think game. It's one game. I don't think you can get too far up. I don't think you can get. Obviously, you're not going to get down because it's positive. I agree with that statement. I'm just saying, like, like I said, the extent of the defense was the question. Extent of how good they were going to be, and they were really good. They showed us that the peak play for that defense is elite. It's top five football. And if you have a top five defense, you are going to be a great football team. That's the bottom line. I'm not, not saying the Red Sox are going to be great. I don't think the level of play defensively is sustainable. You can't get eight sacks every week. No, but their defense, it's not like it's a good defense. I'd say it's, it's one of the good. better. De- it, it's it's one of the it's in one of the top half defenses in the league. It is a yeah. pretty good defense. And another surprise, the other one I was talking about was the Jacksonville Jaguars. And my oh my, they played really good because all of us wrote the Jaguars off in our predictions. And I kind of feel bad for it at this point. I gave them one win. Yes, and they did that. Maybe they'll go on a fifteen game losing streak. But there were a lot of things I really liked. Jack, what did you like about how the Jacksonville Jaguars played on Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts pulling off the win? So what I really liked is just the fact that, obviously, 
no one expected them to play well. Like like you said, Sammy, you had them winning one game. And who knows? They could go on a run and lose 15 games and your record could be correct. But, I mean, I think you got to give them at least one more win. And I think the biggest thing is Minshew Mania 2.0. He, oh, he had three touchdown passes, including a 22-yarder to Keelan Cole in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, excuse me to get the go-ahead touchdown and go up against the Colts 27-20, to 20, and that is where the game ended. And if he can be a good quarterback, I'm not saying that they're going to be a good team. I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team. I'm not even saying they're going to be a contender, but I think they're going to win more than one game. Yeah, the Jacksonville Jaguars really surprised me, and Minshew only had one incompletion. 19 for 20. That is incredible stuff. And if he can go out there and do that, I don't care. Game. I don't care what weapons you have. I mean, I, guys, in, he's so fun to watch. You know? He is. And for, for Minshew, I'm not say, like, like you kind of said, I'm not saying they're going to be a good team, but I don't care what weapons you have. If you can go 19 for 20, if he's going to do some level of that consistently, the Jaguars can be a much better team than we thought. Another takeaway from that game is how good the rush game was. James Robinson out of Illinois State, undrafted rookie, had 16 carries, 62 yards. That may not pop out of the stat book, but to do that in your first NFL game as a starter, undrafted, oh my God, that's incredible. That is incredible. You know what that shows me? So Leonard Fournette, for example, the Jaguars parted ways with him. He went to the Buccaneers. He didn't have a great game. He had six yards on six carries. Tough. Yeah. And you got this guy, James Robinson, who's an undrafted free agent, comes in, and he has a great game. And that just shows me, because you see it with other teams around the league that are thinking about paying running backs. Uh, Alvin Kamara already got paid. Christian McCaffrey already got paid. Saquon is getting to that point where the Giants – have to start thinking about extending him or trading him and is it worth it because I don't think it's worth it to pay a running back big money because it's really the it's kind of like for example for example wine uh you can get an $80 bottle of wine and unless you're like, how do you know because I don't know I saw this analogy on the internet so mm, you can get an $80 <laughs> bottle of wine. And unless you're like a wine expert, you're not going to be able to tell the difference between like that and like a box wine. So I think that, that, that kind of um, goes in to this one. It's like, yes, Saquon is a fantastic running back, but if you have good schemes and a good offensive minded coach, you can plug in a guy like James Robinson and get, Pretty pretty good production. Now, obviously, there are guys that are special. Christian McCaffrey is special. Mm-hmm. Saquon is special. Alvin Kamar is special. There's no doubt that Saquon Barkley is a better running back than a guy like James Robinson. However, is the value worth it? Is the value of paying Saquon Barkley all that money worth it compared to a guy like James Robinson who can provide good enough production at the same position for way less? Yeah, and it really goes to show you that running back is a position where you see a lot of guys stepping up constantly and surprising people. 
James Robinson, who would have thought that an undrafted rookie would be starting in week one, getting 16 carries? Blows my mind. And yeah, Minshew was great, 19 for 20. And I love what he did. But having a running back that is able to get those carries, that is how you create drives. I mean, yes, a a good quarterback helps, but without a solid rushing game, you're not going to be able to drive the football. And that's what Robinson provided. I loved what I saw out of him. And now I'm going to be moving on. We talked about Robinson, and we thought just a few weeks ago that the starting running back for Jacksonville was going to be Leonard Fournette. Now he is on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Jack said it. He only had five, six yards in his debut. Not a lot of carries either, which is quite concerning. Yeah, and the Buccaneers, maybe we have a little Brown situation. I'm hoping not because I did predict them to win 10 games, and they did play the Saints. We have to keep that in mind. The Saints are the most talented team in this league. Yeah, I mean, the Saints. No one's going to look good against the Saints. Good team. Yeah, but the fact that Tom Brady's QB rating fell under 80, which, yes, it's one game, but that's lower than what Trubisky's was last year. Tom Brady did not look good. And that pick six. It it was tough to watch. And it makes you wonder is there going to be trouble in Paradise? I don't think there's going to be trouble in Tampa Bay. Or is it just they're playing the Saints? And it's a tough team to play. Yeah, I think that it's one game. You're playing the Saints, who are a fantastic team. I don't think you can get too far ahead of yourselves with the Brady is washed. I think that he's still a a talented quarterback. But, Sammy, you mentioned earlier Mitchell Trubitsky, and we have a tendency on this show to show our biases a little bit. Me with the Yankees, uh, Sammy with the Cubs and the Bears, and Ori a little bit with the Orioles and the Ravens, although with the Orioles, it's what tough. are the biases, really? So let's move on now to the Bears. They score. Oh, man. Sammy, I want you to give me a full play-by-play rundown of what was going on in your head throughout this game. Yeah, so that Bears game, I have to say, it was, like, the most emotion I felt watching, like, a regular season football game ever in my entire life because it was really a roller coaster. It was a whirlwind of emotions. It was just crazy. And the start of the game wasn't too bad. Our defense was keeping us in it. It was like field goal to a field goal. I was chilling. It was all right. It was what I expected it to be. But then second quarter, third quarter, Lions are looking really good. Matt Stafford is looking like Aaron Rodgers out there. And we can't muster anything. We've only scored six points. And the Lions have scored 23. It's tough. And I, at this point, I, I will say, I was on the couch, curled up with my Khalil Mack jersey, into the fetal position. I was just devastated. And I hadn't lost hope on the game yet. I had hope. But I was just envisioning what would be to come of the season after seeing them play that bad. And I was scared. But the fourth quarter and the gods, the gods spoke. And we get off to a nice start in the fourth quarter. Jimmy Graham catches a touchdown from Mitch Trubisky right at the goal line. And at this point, I'm like, all right, 
look, we're down by a lot of points still. We're down by 10. But we can do this. 10 is much better than 17. I had hope. You're putting all your eggs in Mitchell Trubisky's basket. I had to. Luckily, he performed. The fourth quarter was the best I've ever seen that man play. Because later, a lot later, like 10 minutes later, with three minutes left in the ball game, Javon Wims, young wide receiver, catches another touchdown, and the Bears are straight vibing. Now, like I said, three minutes left, and we really needed something to go well for us. And luckily it did. We got a tip interception on a third down, Kyle Fuller snatching that thing, and all of a sudden we have the ball in good field position. Anthony Miller then is able to catch a touchdown, a phenomenal throw, best throw I've ever seen from Mitch Trubisky, a phenomenal catch by Anthony Miller. A lot of best. All of a sudden, we're winning the game. I am going crazy. You don't even know. It was hype. But then, the Lions still had a chance to score, and they drive the football down the field. Our defense was choking the game. Matthew Stafford, on, I want to say, the 10-yard line or something, about to score has a wide open DeAndre Swift on like right near the goal line. The throw comes. DeAndre Swift, the ball hits his hands. I was absolutely devastated. But then it fell out of his hands and DeAndre Swift choked big time. And the Bears happened to win that football game. We won by luck, yes. But we will take a dub when we can get a dub. The Lions, or the Bears choked, but the Lions choked harder. A crazy, crazy game for me to watch. And if you're watching this. I have still right not now, recovered from that game. This, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, Chatter from the Cheap Seats, you can see my incredible acting display. But there's a little competition going on this weekend. It is time for Football Frenzy. Now, Ori sent in his picks, but before we go over our picks for this week, we're going to go over our recap picks for that week. So let's start off with Sammy. Sammy had his lock pick being the Eagles over the football team. That was wrong. That was wrong. Sammy also had his upset being the Bears over the Lions. That is right. Sammy is one and one Well, it was weird. uh, Just... Because both the uh, Eagles, my lock pick, had a 17-point lead at halftime. And after the third quarter, the Lions had a 17-point lead. And they switched. The Bears happened to win. Out, yeah. And the uh, football team happened to win. Crazy. Yeah, so, so I had my lock being the Patriots over the Dolphins. Uh, that, that was a pretty decisive game. And my upset, best pick of the week, if you ask me. I'd say. Cardinals over 49ers. Good pick. wasn't man. a gimme upset. wasn't like Bears over Lions. <laughs> I think he was a legitimate upset. Wasn't Packers versus Vikings? 49ers were he- like pretty heavy favorites, and Cardinals pulled it out just like I said they would. I am two and O. Ori also two and O. Had the Steelers over the Giants, and he had the Packers over the Vikings. Now let's move on to this week. I had, uh, oh no, you had the first pick in this round, Sammy. So why don't you go ahead and tell us your lock first? All right, so for my lock, I'm going to have to go with a team I hate, and it's the Green Bay Packers, but they're playing the Lions, and I got to give them this game 
just because the Lions looked really bad. Yes, they had some moments where they looked pretty good last week, to be honest. Matthew Stafford was solid for most of the game. The defense was solid for most of the game, but they choked hard. And the momentum coming off that game is all the way not in your direction. You have no momentum after losing a game like that. You are down in the dumps, and it's tough. The Packers, on the other hand, made a decent defense in the Vikings look bad. They scored over 40 points, and the Lions hardly have any defense at all. They weren't even able to keep the Bears under 20 points, and the Packers are just going to make a fool out of the Lions this week. They are my lock pick. Jack, who do you have? So I had, and I think this is a pretty decisive pick. I have the 49ers over the Jets. I picked the 49ers to lose last weekend. I think that they're going to be pissed off that they lost to the Cardinals. I think it's a loss that, I mean, all losses stings, but I, I think, or all losses sting, but I think this one hurts a little bit extra. The Jets, Jamison Crowder is out. Le'Veon Bell is out. Sam Darnold, legitimately his number one wide receiver this weekend is Brashad Perryman. Not, not I think good. the 49ers are going to come out with fury. They're going to come out with vengeance, and I think they're going to steamroll the Jets. I think they're going to win by at least three touchdowns. Wow. I think it's going to be a blowout. I could see that. The Jets are a team that I'm scared to see how bad they're going to be because they've had some tough injuries, and of course, you lost Jamal Adams a few months ago, and a few maybe like a month ago, I messed up my timing, but it's just, they're a bad football team. And the 49ers, yes, they lost last week to the Cardinals. But like you said, they are probably very angry about that. They want to come back out and prove that they're still a top team in the NFC. And I think they can really do that against the Jets. Now I'm going to be moving on to my upset or underdog pick. And I'm going to have to go with the Atlanta Falcons over the Dallas Cowboys. Now Matt Ryan is a beast. He had 450 yards week one. And yes, he had a lot of attempts, but that's impressive no matter what. Gotta love Matt Ryan. Of course, he's got Julio. He's got a lot of weapons. Todd Gurley surprised me week one. He wasn't great, but he was pretty solid. And against, I think, what's going to be kind of a weak rushing defense after losing a lot of pieces this offseason, I think he's going to be able to have another nice solid game against the Cowboys And the Cowboys did not play good last week, Sunday night football against the Rams, and they only put up 17 points. And I'd say the Rams are not that good of a defense. They're really not. They lost a lot of pieces, and yes, you got Aaron Donald, but that's a team you should be putting up more than 17 on. I don't think they're going to look any better against the Falcons. And the bottom line is the Falcons are just going to be good enough to compete with the Cowboys, which, yes, are a good team, but have shown some weaknesses, and I think the Falcons can really take advantage. So before I give my upset pick, I'm just going to go ahead and give Ori's lock. All right, yeah, yeah. So Ori had his lock. He had the Buffalo Bills over the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Pretty obvious pick, I would say. I think Ori's a little scared to take risks because he knows he's going against a great player like me who is willing to take risks, and I'm going to win. So he has the Bills over the Dolphins. Now, I'm going to go ahead and give Ori's upset pick now because I want to save mine for last. Best 
for last, ladies and gentlemen. He had another cop-out. If he was here, I'd give him a piece of my mind. But he has the Vikings beating the Colts, which I think the spread is only three. So it's definitely a safe pick, but I don't think it's a bad pick. I don't think the Colts are that bad a team. Uh, Xavier Rhodes, Colts cornerback, is facing his former team after the Vikings released him. Yeah, that'll be interesting. He will come out with a little bit of vengeance. But now let's move on now to my underdog pick. I have the Patriots over the Seahawks. Now, this is not as as a lock as a lot of people think because the Patriots are not a better team than the Seahawks, but I think that coming off the big win, Cam Newton's going to do big things. Not many people know how uh, Bill Belichick's going to use Cam Newton scheme-wise because they only have one game of him on film. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see that. So lock it in, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. But let's move on now to the baseball and we had a huge thing happen we had the second no hitter of the mlb season and it was by my chicago cubs on the same day that the chicago bears came back from that crazy 17 point deficit one of the craziest sports what days i ever experienced that must have been a and i woke up at four in the morning for a baseball game it, i was just it was a crazy day for me but Alec Mills, I, it just blows your mind because just last year, even me, or maybe like a year and a half ago, I did not even know who Alec Mills was as a Chicago Cub fan, as he was in our organization. He was kind of a no-name AAA guy, and now he is a lock in the Cubs rotation. He's thrown the second no-hitter of the year, only the 16th in Chicago Cubs history. That dates back to the 1870s, and he just does it with deception. He's kind of like a Kyle Hendricks sort of guy. That fastball is going to top out at 90-91, and the curveball, it has this huge break and probably an average velocity of around 66. Alec Mills deceives hitters. That's the bottom line, and he only had five strikeouts in that no-hitter. A remarkable feat because he – just got so much weak contact. That is how he played his game. A lot of no-hitters, you'll see like 10 to 13 strikeouts, and that's how guys are going to be able to do that. But Alec Mills says no. He's just going to get it in on your hands or get a nice little breaking ball that you think he can hit, but you can't. That's how he plays his game, and he just induces weak contact. You love to see it. Great guy, great story. Jack, I know you're not a Cubs fan like I am, but – a no-hitter is a huge story. What do you have to say? Yeah, and it's not a guy that you'd expect. It is a great story, and yeah, it's great to see a guy like him do it. He's not the prototypical 98 up in the zone, nasty yeah. slider down in the zone pitcher right. anymore. As the Yankees just tied the Boston Red Sox in the ninth inning because Gary Sanchez hit the go- the tying home run down to their last out, so that's good news for me. Yeah, but... but- uh- yeah, Alec Mills was also fantastic. If you and, haven't seen his story, he was a walk-on in college. Not a big D once. Like he was just a walk-on in college. He thought his baseball career was over. He walked by practice and he gave it a shot. It sounds like something out of a movie. And Alec Mills is a guy that I think can have some longevity in this league. He is already 28 years old, but I don't see him throwing only 90, having too many arm issues. And 
it's it's just such a fun story. I gotta it's love Alex. It's a great story, and I think that he's a guy because we're gonna get into this a little bit later. But with there being no off days in the in the playoffs this year, starting pitching is a huge deal. And now that oh, the Cubs have another guy that they can count on in the playoffs, and That's like, huge. It's not it's not just a no hitter. Like he's been pretty decent. He's been very good. He all year. It's not started, like he went seven yeah. one hitter. Like he's 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 a solid pitcher. If you look at his baseball reference this season, he has a three nine three ERA, which is very solid. Yeah, and above average. I think for sure. he's a guy that he can really make a difference for the Cubs come playoff time because it's going to be difficult to rely because you have it's not just your ace and then two and three and a strong bullpen can win it anymore. You need four maybe five strong outings from your pitchers to go deep in the playoffs this season. And we're going to get into that a little bit later, like I said. But let's go now to the next subject, which is the playoffs. Obviously, the Dodgers, White Sox, Rays all clinch their playoff spots. Now, Sammy, what top? give me top two leagues, top two teams, in the AL, in the NL, two from the AL, two from the NL, that you think have the best shot to win the World Series here? All right, so let's start with the AL. Just going to shake things up a little bit, and I'm going to have the Oakland Athletics as a team that can really make a run in this playoff and win the World Series. And I have one main reason, and that is their bullpen. Their bullpen is phenomenal. Five guys with an ERA below two. Just crazy stuff. And at the end of the day, why does that matter? You may be asking, why does the bullpen matter? Well, you got a playoff atmosphere like I was talking about, like we were talking about earlier, where you have no off days. So you can't rely on your pitchers as much, your starters as much, excuse me, to go six, seven plus innings. That's not going to happen because you want to save their arms in case you make a deep playoff run. The athletics have it. A lot of guys you can rely on in that bullpen to shove it in there. Liam Hendricks has been phenomenal this year, and he's going to be leading them in that bullpen to really be doing great things. I disagree with you there because I think pitchers are going to go deep in games because bullpens, you can't rely on a bullpen as much this year, and I still think the A's are a fantastic team. How can't you rely on a bullpen as much? Because if it's a normal season, let's say, for example, Chad Green. Normally in the playoffs, he'll go two innings, rest day, and he'll be able to go two innings the next day. Now, if he goes two innings, he's out for the next game. So but that's the thing. pitchers aren't going to be able to be – and I understand their depth in their bullpen is a plus, but I think that pitcher – I think managers are going to ride their starting pitchers this season. They have to because you have to save the bullpen arms. And also, I mean, they're still, they're still going to get – if they go seven innings, they're still going to get five days rests. Like – Yes, but like it's important to have a bullpen. Are you? I mean, obviously I, it's important to have a bullpen. But I'm saying, I mean, and you, you're pitching, not going to be riding your starters out. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Starting pitching is going to be starting pitching wins championships normally, but I think especially in these playoffs, starting pitching, whichever team has the best starting pitching this postseason, is going to be the team to win the World Series. I am. I mean, a, and the A's have in. good starting pitching. Lock it in. A's have good starting pitching, too. But they've been inconsistent. Mm, most, I mean, a lot of the guys, like maybe like a Mike Miner, but Chris Bassett heading up that rotation and the bullpen. I'm sorry. I, I think they have enough 
enough depth. But but where, the, the problem though is the injury to Matt Chapman does like he really hurts them. Yes, that does hurt them. But I think there are offensively a lot of guys who haven't been producing who? as much that I, will I perform so. in the playoffs. I don't think so. Who? Matt who? Olson. That's one guy. They have maybe three Matt or Olson, four guys. Mark Kenna. I can't trust anymore. He's not. He's not that elite. They don't have any elite hitters. How about Marcus Simeon? He's not an elite. Elite. I think these are guys that yes, their stats don't show it, but they're good hitters and they're going to do things in the playoffs. Their offense, I I don't like the A's, and I think the injury to Matt Chapman seriously hurts them. So I'm going to go ahead and give one of my AL teams here, which I have. I had the Rays, and this pains me to say. Uh, I mean, they have a bunch of guys coming. Speaking of bullpens, you you have no idea who the hell is coming out of that bullpen, but you know he's he has like a funky delivery and throws like ninety nine. Like you know he's they have so many like incredible guys that you've never heard of in their bullpen. It's crazy. The loss of Austin Meadows probably for the beginning of the postseason, maybe longer, definitely hurts them. But I think that. The, the starting pitching, the, the no off days, they are one of the very few teams that it actually benefits because they have studs in their rotation. Charlie Morton is a stud. Blake Snell is an absolute stud. Tyler Glass now is a stud. Ryan Yarborough is a stud. They have arms and they're pitching starting rotation and bullpen. They have depth. And I think that their lineup is good enough, and I think mm. that they're definitely going to be a contender. Well, that is my issue with the Rays. I think the talent isn't there. I think the A's, the athletics, yes, some of the stats don't show any great things. And the Rays, besides Brandon Lau, there has not been great production in that lineup this season. The A's have more talent. There have been guys that have proven themselves previously, like Matt Olson. And, and, you know, there are a lot of other guys, Mark Canna, Chris Davis, who I think can be good in a playoff setting. A lot of guys, I mean, this whole lineup can be really good and they have been good. And the fact that they've won so many games and they played so well in a very tough region in the West, I mean, they're in a tough division and they are still winning ball games. shows you what they can do. That bullpen is super important for the A's. And I'm, you know, I'm not trying to argue with you with the Rays on the arms. No, I get it. Yeah. The Rays are phenomenal just because as many injuries as they're going to have, which they haven't had money, but they're not really going to be short arms because there are so many guys, like you said, with funky deliveries that can do this and that with the baseball. It's scary to play the Rays, especially in the playoffs. And I was really thinking about putting them there. But the offense held me back in that offensively, the best team in baseball, the best team in the AL has been the White Sox. And that's why they are my second team for the AL. Just talk about production. It's been incredible to watch. There is not a weak bat in that lineup. Grandal has been good. But Anderson has been a league leader in batting average almost all year. And then you have Jose Abreu, who honestly, this point is my AL MVP. Abreu has been incredible, almost at the top of every stat. He's top five in almost every stat in baseball. And the pitching has also been good. Keuchel, if you get him back, is going to be great. You got Giolito, has been amazing. 
Uh, Gio Gonzalez, not so sure, but he has been in a playoff setting a lot of times before, and I trust him. I'll give Gio Gonzalez the ball any day of the week and trust him to get me five, six innings of good production and then hand it off to the bullpen. The White Sox are a scary, scary team, and I didn't even mention Luis Robert. I've talked about the White Sox so much. They just clinched the playoffs for the first time in 12 years. I don't want to play the White Sox in the playoffs, and they're a scary team. I would not be surprised at all if I see them in the World Series. Sammy, I agree with you on this pick. I think that the White Sox are a scary team. Uh, Luis Robert, uh, Eloy Jimenez, Yon Moncada, Jose Breu, the amount of talent that they have in their lineup, they have one of the best lineups in MLB. Giolito, mm-hmm. I think, is going to freaking deal Oh, and yeah. You already know. I think you can guess my n- my next team here. I'm, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, you didn't have the White Sox for one of your teams? Uh, no, no. Okay. I, I think you can guess who my next team is going to be. Mm. Just an educated guess. Uh, I think the Red Sox. I think it's the Red Sox. The Red Sox, yes. It is the Red Sox. <laughs> no. The New York Yankees. That's a Giants hat, buddy. <laughs> I know. If you get it, you get it. It's a Seinfeld reference. The New York Yankees, they've won eight games in a row. They're currently tied in the top of the or bottom of the ninth. Hopefully, they can make it 10 or 9. Not a math pod. Don't get on me on that. Don't, get on, don't be DMing me on Instagram. Chatter underscore cheap seats pod. Uh, don't be doing that. I hear your comments. We are not a math pod, ladies and gentlemen. But, yeah, I mean, they're back. Their lineup today, yeah. every single person in their lineup has potential to be uh, an all-star. I really believe that. I really believe that. I think, I mean, they're one through nine. This, let me just read off their lineup today because it, sure, yeah. it is astonishing. Like, like unbelievable. They had their full depth, Death Star lineup today. And, I mean... It, it, it was it was music to my ears. It was <laughs> leading off. You got DJ Lemayu leading that the MOB in batting average, unbelievable player, MVP candidate. Uh, in the two hole, Aaron Judge should have been MVP, All Star, unbelievable talent. Giancarlo Stanton in the three hole, former MVP, All Star, unbelievable talent. Luke Foy in the four hole, uh, he's in the conversation for the MVP, probably if not for second. Third, uh, in the in the five hole, you have Glaber Torres, All Star, hit thirty eight bombs from the shortstop position. You have Aaron Hicks, who always has he's like a three eighty on base percentage. Gio Urshela hit over three fifteen last season in the in the um, not a math pod in the in the seventh hole, in the eighth hole, or in the sixth hole. In the seventh hole, you have Gary Sanchez, fastest player ever to one hundred home runs. In the eighth hole, you have Clint Frazier. Who has a 990 OPS this season? I mean, what can I say about this lineup? And their pitching has been dealing. Garrett Cole is back to being Garrett Cole, back to back, seven inning, no runs appearances, back to back. He had a no hitter into the fifth inning. I mean, what can you say? Yeah, well, with the playoff Tanaka, unbelievable. I mean, I am this. I, I I think this team is my favorite to win the World Series right now. 
Yeah, and I, I didn't mention the Yankees, but you got to look at the whole picture with the Yankees, and you just say, wow. And it's been a little bit of a rough year up until the past eight games, which they've been absolutely – They scored their first game – again, their series against the Blue Jays, they won 20-6, to 13-4, and then 10-7. to They hit six or more home runs – in back-to-back-to-back games, broken MLB record. Yeah, really good stuff. And with an offense that good, you always wonder, is the pitching good enough? And the Yankees, like you were saying, it is, because I think you have five guys, four four really reliable guys, in Garrett Cole, Tanaka, Jay Happ, and Montgomery. Montgomery has been a little... Iffy. He's had but, one or two bad starts that have kind of ballooned his ERA. Right. And you're for you know who you're forgetting about? Debbie Garcia. I put yeah. Garcia over Jordan Montgomery and Jay Happ a thousand percent. He said he said he had one start where he went like five and three innings, I think, five and four innings, but his ERA was kind of messed up. It didn't didn't show the whole picture. He battled. And then every other start he's had this entire season, he's been locked down. He had Three other starts, all of them at least seven innings, three or less runs. He's been unbelievable. And I think if you go into a playoff series, Cole's your one, Tanaka's your two, Debbie's your three, Monty's your four, and then you probably don't use Hap. Maybe you use him in the ALCS or something, but or the ALDS or something. I don't know. But I like that. I like the looks of the rotation, especially how they've been pitching as of late. Yeah, the Yankees are a scary team, but now we got to move on to the NL. We spent a lot of time in the AL arguing some fun things, and I'm going to start with the Chicago Cubs, and that is because it's a well-rounded baseball team, and there are some guys starting to sort of heat up a little bit again, like Chris Bryant, who it's been a rough campaign, but really – Badly inflated by, or deflated, I should say, by the first part of the year. He's been playing a lot better as of late. Anthony Rizzo, stats don't show it, but he has been a huge bat for this team. And Ian Happ, Jason Hayward have been two of the better offensive players in baseball this year. Really good stuff offensively, but the pitching is where they're going to win baseball games. You Darvish, Kyle Hendricks, Alec Mills, who we were talking about earlier. Whew, the Cubs have... One of the most underrated rotations and one of the nastiest rotations because past those three guys, you got John Lester, who has been one of the most successful playoff pitchers in history. You gotta love John Lester. And I'm really excited to see what they do in the playoffs. The Cubs are a team that I know I'm biased, blah, 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 blah. But we can't forget yeah. about them. They are the second best team in the NL record wise. And besides, besides the uh, Los Angeles Do- Dodgers, excuse me, I'd put them against any NL ball club. Really? And who's your other team in the NL? Uh, my other team in the NL is, it's gotta be the Dodgers. I, they're probably my favorite, uh, you know, the Dodgers, you talk, you hear about them so much, you talk about them so much. It's like, what else is there to say about this team? They're really good. <laughs> I mean, everything has worked out for them. And I feel like this has happened the past three or four years. And I did put them here, but that's why I wasn't as like, I'm not as enthusiastic about them as maybe I should be. Because last year, 
I said, if the Dodgers don't win the World Series this year, they're not doing it. And I feel like I want to say the same thing again because it's another great team, best record in baseball. Can they execute in October? I don't know. Especially with this eight-seed uh, eight playoff format, I think anything can happen. And for Dodgers fans, I would hate that eight-seed playoff format because it gives other teams a chance to make weird runs and it gives a lot of weird things chances to happen. The Dodgers don't want weird things to happen. They want things to go as planned because they're the best team in baseball. And if things were to go as planned, they would win the World Series this year. But nothing has gone as planned in 2020. I was supposed to have a spring baseball season. We were supposed to finish school regularly in June. I'm supposed to be in school right now. That has not worked out. The Dodgers are supposed to win the World Series, and I do have them as my favorite, but because they're my favorite, I doubt that. This year has been crazy. Yeah, for sure. And Sammy, you want to hear a huge coincidence? Yeah. I had my NL teams, Dodgers and the Cubs. I like that. Adam. I like that. You're, it's not just your bias. It's not just your bias. Other people think the Cubs are going to be good, Sammy. I know it's a shocker. <gasps> brings, let's, brings tears to my eyes. <laughs> yeah, but let's move on now to Jack's dumb Twitter takes here. So I have a doozy for you guys today. Uh, I really like this one. This might be one of my favorites, and I know I say that every episode, but... <laughs> Man, I really like this one. So this is actually a retweet with a comment. It's not an actual tweet. It says, so the tweet says, Twins are still the best. And this is from August 5th. Twins are still the best team in the Central uh, by far. But White Sox are coming. And that's not, I mean, Twins aren't the best team in the Central. So that's a dumb tweet. Twitter take in itself. It's a double day. Because the retweet says, uh, it's Ted. Uh, I'm not going to give his username, but it says, no one is blind enough to think the hashtag White Sox are on the wise. Rise. Mm-hmm. To call them legitimate contenders in the Central while they have no pitching has always been a joke. Teddy boy, don't think that's You're working wrong. out for you guys so far. Uh, wrong, White Sox baby. are on fire. And hey. let's move on now. Oh, wait, wait. I got to say, Sammy's guess. smart take. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm trying to make like a play on words of whatever. Sammy's smart take. Very Sammy's first statement. Very, Sammy's very smart statement of the day. Yeah, I like that. Sammy's smart statement of the day. And that is a few months ago, I said that the White Sox were going to be a playoff team. I was the first on the train. I'm the conductor on that train. I am a Cub fan, but woo woo. <laughs> I need train sound effects. I am the conductor because not a lot of people were giving that take at that time. And yes, maybe you could give credit to the eight seed playoff weird thing, but the White Sox are on pace to win their division. They would have made the playoffs in a normal season. Well, maybe not with 162 games, but probably. I think I had a pretty smart take. Very first episode of Chatter from the Cheap Seats. Sammy's smart statement of the day. All right, I'll let you move on now. <laughs> yeah, so let's get now to the shooty hoops. We have two games that we're going to talk about. The Clippers losing in game seven. 
they heat beat the Celtics to go up 2-0 in that series. Now, wow. Demi, I mean, the Heat have been a legitimate team, and we're not going to spend too much time on this because we want to get to the Clippers because that's a doozy. Second time this episode using that word. Wow. Doozy. But, but, yeah, I mean, you got to feel good if you're a Heat fan. If they can make it to the to the NBA Finals, that would be a great story. But let's move on now to the Clippers. Uh, there have been a lot of people calling for Doc Rivers' job. Do you think he should be fired? Do I think Doc Rivers should be fired? No way. Absolutely not. Doc Rivers is one of the best coaches. But but you know what I don't understand? People keep saying that, but if you look at the teams he's had over the years, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Chris Paul in his prime, they haven't been able to get it done. He hasn't been able to even make a NBA final. I mean, if you look at his track record, and I I think people keep on, people people just say, oh, he's so well-respected. He's such a good coach. He hasn't proved it. He just he proved it. Are you blaming Game Seven? No, on Doc no, no. Rivers. And I'm not, no, are you no, kidding? I am not, and I'm not saying that Doc Rivers should be fired. But I also think it's not irrational to think that way because he has not proven anything. And I am, you know, what I am blaming on him. The Clippers gave up in the fourth quarter. They gave up. They gave up. Now and that's true. Obviously, you blame that on Kawhi and Paul George, but that's also blame on on Doc Rivers because Doc Rivers has to go in there and light a fire. He has to call a timeout and light a fire under their butt. That's yeah. on him. That is that on- is true. But you look at the stats and the stars on that team, the Clippers, the team we're talking about, so deep. They just choked that no oh, one. Sure. They were not able to perform under pressure. Kawhi Leonard, who made himself a playoff legend last year with the Raptors, shot six for 22. Marcus Morris was two for nine. Paul George kept his horrible playoffs going, four for 16. Lou Williams, three for 11. Reggie Jackson only played four minutes, oh for two. I mean, I'm just shocked about how bad the Clippers were. They were so bad, and I'm not trying to take credit away from the Nuggets because they did play good basketball, play great defensive basketball, and I think they can absolutely compete with the Lakers and LeBron. I just think the Clippers, it's sad. It it was a waste because they are the best team in the NBA, and I do believe that. They just choked under pressure. They could not perform when they needed to. In the bubble, they didn't do it. In the playoffs, they didn't do it. And sometimes it comes down to that. It's like the 73-win Golden State Warriors. I think that was 73 wins. Yes, they had 73 wins. But when it really mattered, you know what they did? They blew a 3-1 lead. That's exactly what the Clippers did. Sometimes the most talented teams aren't the teams that succeed. It just happens to be like that. It's sports. And it sucks because I, I know I really wanted to see a Lakers-Clippers conference final. I think that's what everybody wanted to see. Yeah. But that will do it for us it in will. this episode of Chatter. For, it will. In this episode of Chatter from the Cheap Seats, you guys can leave a voicemail by clicking the call button in our Instagram bio or, you know, said it earlier in the podcast. Sammy, what did I say earlier in the podcast? 
What did you say earlier in the podcast? Uh, you don't know what I said earlier in the podcast? I said we are an options podcast. Options podcast. That's right. You did say that. I did say that. Now, you, you guys, like I said, you guys can click the call button in the link of our Instagram bio, or you can call 202-743-1767. That is 202-743-1767. That would be highly appreciated. Uh, what? Five-star rating review. If you want to help us out, that's by far the most important thing you guys can do. Very important. Uh, that means the world to us for us to keep doing what we love. And if you guys want to follow us on Instagram and TikTok, chatter underscore cheap seats pod, chatter from the cheap seats on YouTube. Sammy, uh, do you have any parting words for our lovely audience here? Another fun episode for what I believe is now the 32nd time I've said that. Got to keep it rolling. Got to keep these fun episodes coming. Your sports is getting good. I mean, really, what better time is there to be a sports fan? I mean, in a few months, or in October, early October maybe, we're going to have the NBA Finals, midseason NFL, and the playoffs of baseball happening all at once. It is going to be insane and i can't wait that's why we're going to keep pumping out episodes next time we come at you we're only going to have roughly three games left of the mlb season because we are that just, is that it's crazy. Is crazy and it's i feel bad for teams that aren't making the playoffs because 60 Same. games and it's just like that but yeah it's fun episode and i will see you guys next week peace out yeah, so, you know, great episode, as always. Love doing this. Uh, if you guys have any comments, concerns, questions, chatter underscore cheap seats pod insta TikTok. Follow us on there. And, yeah, or we'll be joining us next weekend. We're super excited to do another episode. But, yep, that is it from us. Uh, thank you for listening to Chatter from the Cheap Seats. Bye.